0: Empire of the Sun. Suns.
1: Empire of the Suns. Wet
0: like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast.
1: Empire of the Suns.
0: Hello there and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kel Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman, and you should leave that part of the recording, Kevin, where your dog barks just to let everyone know we are over Zoom again. Hello. Uh,
1: He's outside. I thought I was safe. I'm not. It's fine.
0: I like this because I'm at my PC setup that I got about six months ago so I'm not at the table I used to be at with my laptop during pandemic times when we were super sad and talking about basketball to distract us, so I don't get the flashbacks that you probably have right now, which <laughs> is a bummer for you, not a bummer for me. Hey, uh, will Twitter be a thing next time we record? What do you think?
1: Uh, oh, uh, will it be functioning? I think that's the better question. I think it's going to be... In bad shape, but still exist in a week. Okay. We we, sh- we should talk about this
0: because if you are not on Twitter, <laughs> this is, wow, this is, you will not care about this at all because you, yeah. So anyway, Twitter is in a rough spot right now. Uh, there's been like severe cuts uh, within their ranks. And essentially the people who are in charge of making sure everything works and the code is right and the wires are where they're supposed to be and all that bumbo jumbo uh, they're gone for the most part, and it just seems like the site is going to what, there's their employees telling reporters that, yeah, like, I wouldn't be surprised if the site crashes at any moment now because of the staffing that they have left, which is, you know, it's Twitter and you have everyone has their opinions on how great of a tool it is or how much of a cesspool it is, whatever but I left when you uh, when you weren't there. But when Danny Shapiro left, who is the version of you on the news side? I asked him. I was like, so, so should we just like read the wires like fifteen years ago if Twitter goes down because we do use it as our main source of breaking news and all that kind of stuff. And of course, this is where most people connect with us too specifically. So now everyone last night was frantically plugging their Instagrams and stuff yeah. <laughs> just in case let's, the thing that. <laughs> just in case the thing got nuked, which is why I wanted to bring it up and just say. If that does happen, we'll talk about it on the podcast where we're at and kind of where everything is at and go from there. Uh, My opinion on the matter is that Twitter itself, I don't think is going to cease to exist. Now, will there be some short-term issues and maybe just like short-term outages where the site just isn't operable for a couple of weeks or something? I'm not ruling that out. I'm waiting until Sunday when the World Cup starts to see if it gets through the first couple of days of the World Cup. I think we're good. but That's just for now. Uh, And we'll see. And then obviously we'll talk about alternatives and stuff, because I think something for people to realize is that some version of this is going to exist because we just live in a world now where this type of news and and getting news from something like this is a thing that is not going to cease to exist because you and I, you, I think you messaged me, right? And you're like, do I have to turn on like ESPN alerts for Woj right now in case (laughs) Twitter breaks and we don't have Twitter notifications anymore? And I was like, yeah, probably. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this I, is my long-winded way for both of us of kind of saying just state the podcast is not going anywhere. It's not on Twitter. We promote it on Twitter, but we'll update you guys here for those
1: asking because a couple of people, a lot of people actually were asking me last night. Because of our job description, I've just been going through and I'm like all right what's mastodon i'll download this sure uh jack dorsey's side i'm gonna sign up for that uh my tiktok exists whoa you went there i'm not going there uh yeah i'm just trying to be a prepared guy but yeah i think twitter will do you remember i don't even remember that we've had so many like mars rovers but i think when like I was in college, there was one Mars rover and they're like, oh yeah, this thing's going to last like a month. And then it lasted nine years and like everyone (laughs) was even surprised. And they're like, man, we must've done a good job. Like maybe they made Twitter so good that like even no one being able to operate it, it just lasts for a while. Worst case. So
0: we'll see. All the reports started coming in Thursday night and everyone was basically treating it like it was the end in case it was the end, because it's one of those situations right now where I don't think we're going to get a 12 hour warning if it's going to stop working, it's just going to stop working at some point, if that's what happens. So yeah. everyone was being either really sentimental or being like, screw this place. This place sucks. Anyway, this is good. But, but the people who lost their jobs still that sucks, but this place sucks and it's the worst. And all that kind of fun stuff was happening last night. And then I woke up and saw that I had three Twitter notifications. I was like, all right, didn't break while I was sleeping. We're, we're still chugging. And and we'll <laughs> see if we are next week and the week after that. Speaking of week to week check-ins, Kevin, uh, uh-huh. We've yeah. been ending the podcast each week by uh, saying if we think Jay Crowder is going to get traded. If you guys haven't caught on to one of our many bits, Kevin, don't we have so many bits on the, on we, the program? Yeah, we have bits. We we have bits. That's one of them. We'll continue the bit, of course, at the end of the podcast. We'll, we'll save that for the end. But I, <laughs> I was thinking about this as I clicked record of how to, what to call this because news quotation marks, I, I guess, Rumblings became like, uh, now it's like a meme because I, I believe it was Mark Stein originally from the New York Times who said that he's heard credible rumblings or, or something exactly. I can't remember how he phrased it. That the movement, there's been movement on the Jay Crowder front on the trade market. Then Jake Fisher reports that there it appears to be a three team deal that is close. Again, every longtime listeners of the podcast know how much I love verbiage in these reporting situations. It appeared to be close. So that happened before the Warriors game on or during the Warriors game, I want to say, on Wednesday. So then it was like, okay, are we going to wake up to a Jake Crowder trade? Uh, no, nothing like that at all. And then Shams Sharania, I think, Kevin, what people kind of need to understand for those guys like Shams and Wojes when they hear something about this and they're not actively reporting on it, I'm sure Shams went around and reported on this as much as he could over 36 hours or whatever. And what he came back with on Friday morning was that the Suns have interest in John Collins, Harrison Barnes, Kyle Kuzma, KJ Martin, not a video form, Kevin, Jeremy's not here recording us. That would be weird if he was doing it at our respective houses at the same time through our computers. Yeah. Air quotes on interest. Uh, and, and you can kind of talk us through it here. Cause you wrote the story on our site, Gambo added clarification later that you can get into, but it's. I don't know how much of news news this is. Uh, what do you, What do you think? Run us through it.
1: Okay, so basically, Sham said regarding John Collins, the Suns have shown desire, which mm, different word there. Uh, but then he said that they don't like his contract, which I believe is including this year five years, one hundred twenty five million. If I'm correct, basically to say like. To, to me, when he writes that, he's not wrong. He talked to someone on another end, maybe Atlanta, maybe John Collins' agent. And that all that says to me is the Suns don't hate the guy, but they don't like his contract, which basically is like they're not trading for him, right? And then Gambo came out and says, there's no way that like I'm, they're not trading for him based on what I checked in on. So, yeah, like a lot of this stuff. And, and Gambo said the Harrison Barnes link um, was old news basically from the summer so like when people report all this stuff it's it's coming from one place right and like jake fisher and mark stein very well could have heard maybe from atlanta's end again like oh we think it was going to be close we thought phoenix was reciprocating phone calls or whatever and then they just like something fell through right so and we
0: don't even to to clarify we don't even know the three the two other teams that jake fisher was reporting on
1: yeah. So that's, that's a whole other element too. Jake Fisher in his pod this morning or his, uh, stream, I guess it was last night, but he put it out there this morning that he did say, like, all I'll say about this is everyone thinks basically again, not even Milwaukee or Phoenix, but everyone thinks Milwaukee is like the leader in the clubhouse for getting Crowder right now. And that's, I, I think that's only because everyone thinks Grayson Allen is going to be traded from Milwaukee. So. They're assuming that there's some third team with those two guys involved, I guess. And and so all this is to say, I think everyone is guessing and everyone's reporting on sources that are like the third party in this or something.
0: That's a really good way to frame it. So it's basically that if, you want to buy into this reporting, and I'm going to I'm gonna phrase it as that. If you want to just read into this as much as you want to, which, uh, as you guys know, I, I don't as much, but a lot of people listening do. I like the framework of that, that basically Grayson Allen is going to be traded, or sorry, Jay Crowder is going to be traded to Milwaukee. Grayson Allen is going to be traded to a third team, and that third team is going to give the Suns what they give up for Jay Crowder, essentially um or what they get in return for Jay Crowder basically. Yeah. And that's where you went to like Houston and you were like, okay, is this Eric Gordon? Is it is KJ Martin in there somewhere? And and that's where speculation kind of began on on that front. And then when I was on Burns and Gambo yesterday and and Gambo reported that, uh, repeated this reporting, there are the words, <laughs> on the air that the Suns aren't interested in Eric Gordon. Uh, They don't have any interest in Eric Gordon at this time. Very interesting thing that he said, Kevin. He said that they're not interested in trading for him, but the buyout market is another story. And that's where their TPM MLE comes into consideration. If you're not familiar, you can use the taxpayer mid-level exception in the buyout market in that time. It doesn't just go away when the season starts or whatever. So if Eric Gordon gets released by, or bought out, sorry, by the Rockets after the trade deadline, when they don't get a first round pick for him, like they've been trying to get for it, what feels like decades at this point, the Suns can swoop in and say, here's the maximum. Now, would the Suns give him that money after they don't want to trade a pick for him? I don't know, but that, that made sense. That reporting from Gamble made a lot of sense to me, Kevin, because they would have Eric Gordon last year
1: if they wanted Eric Gordon. You, you know what I mean? They would yeah. have partied up the pick if They liked him. And also the taxpayer mid-level, like, in the middle of the year when it, like even the middle rung teams won't have that kind of money to throw around generally. So that's actually like if you are fighting with other contenders, you actually have a pretty good advantage there if you want to spend all that. So that is an is- interesting wrinkle and, and a good point. Something
0: that I tweeted about today, I kind of just gave my two cents on the whole thing and I Don't think, and this is, again, not looking from my viewpoint because we talked about Harrison Barnes, Kyle Kuzma, not John Collins as much, but I wrote about those two guys, uh, blurbed them a little bit in some offseason stuff. And basically, from the viewpoint of what we know about the Suns, it just wouldn't make sense if they traded for a starting power forward right now unless it was the Kevin Durant tier a little bit below that tier, an all-NBA caliber type of player. And, and that's because why would you go through all of this J cam stuff to start cam, see cam play super duper well in, in those eight games. And then again, go back to the 16 games last year. So now you've got 24 games of data on hand that are, that suggest he's pretty darn good as a starter. And then more specifically with bridges, with Booker, with Paul, with Aiden and in and more long-term minutes and, and more serious minutes, why would you go through all of that, see all of that, and then just kind of change your mind? And what a lot of people tweeted at me was that, and and apparently this is news to me today, and this is why it's always, believe it or not, like my one of my the replies to my tweet was Cam has a torn meniscus, which oh my god, I didn't wow, breaking news! Thank you so much for your sound Perfect. investment and, and spending seven seconds to type that and send it to me. You really helped me out there. I got a lot of replies and I I didn't know I was going to get this kind of uh, thought that Cam is in. There's a notion from some of the fan base. I don't know how much, but a lot of people replied to me and were just like Cam's injury prone trade for someone. Now, if they play really well over the next six weeks, start them. If they don't sit them, uh, have them come off the bench and put Cam back in the starting lineup and then they're there in case Cam gets hurt again. We'll get into that part of it in a minute and how much we buy into the notion that he's injury prone because we haven't really talked about it at all, which kind of spoils what we think about it. But to that point and what I sort of talked about, it doesn't make sense for John Collins or Harrison Barnes to come here and then for Cam to go back to the bench to go through all of this now. Now, four months ago, it made sense because you hadn't gone through this whole charade yet. And I think that they would have been much more serious and shown much more urgency, like I thought they would and they should in the summer. I thought they would have had that four months ago if they were really looking at that type of upgrade on the team uh and and they did not get anything done. so here we are and and what changes essentially from now is 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 the cam injury, and then of course the notion that I talked about earlier. But then I'll, I'll one last thing, and the reason why I wanted to bring this up is because basically what Gambo was reporting again today on Friday on on his show is that the Suns aren't looking for a guard. They're not looking for a center. They're looking for a wing. And then he said like a fourth wing specifically. I, I don't know if that's exactly what it is because I doubt that they're going to look at someone and be like, ah, he's like, he's too good. Like he would be too good of a player on the bench. <laughs> and you You've got to find someone who makes sense off the bench, which is why, if Kyle Kuzma comes here and thinks he's going to start, then he shouldn't come here. He needs to come here knowing that he's going to come off the bench. If, if uh, KJ Martin comes here and thinks he's going to start, he can't, he can't come here. He needs to know that he's coming off of the bench. So that's the type of thing where you look at the upgrades and like the fits around and, and the trades that are possible and where it makes more sense by the hour why we
1: are where we are in terms of waiting. Yeah. I mean, even if you just look at the Collins thing, which is a wonky fit from a basketball perspective and a money perspective, because you're allocating so much money to five starters then down the road. Like if I got John Collins, I would want him to come off the bench, but I'm sure he doesn't want that. And I, I think the adding, like adding Kuzma off the bench is a good example where that makes a lot of sense where you need that scoring punch. You kind of help the Booker-led or the CP-only units um if this team was fully healthy. And that adds a little more, nudges one knob into the helping Chris Paul get to the end of the season stuff. Um I will say, I think I'm more in the... Yeah, it matters that Cam Johnson's injury-prone, but I think that's more about his contract. I think he... If you're the Suns, you can say, well, we don't want to pay you that much because you're injury prone and other teams are going to do the same. And then they might get a good deal at the end of the year, despite the rising salary cap expectations. Um, so I think that's going to matter there. But I don't think it matters this year. Like, I don't think you're going to bring in John Collins or Kuzma and say, go to back to the bench, Cam Johnson, because you can't handle big minutes. No, like you got to ride this out because that lineup makes a lot of sense. And the whole point of any upgrade, whether it's guard or wing, I think is you need to kind of bolster the bench unit and give your secondary kind of score playmaker um, value as a team just up that a bit to help Booker out and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think the... The Cam Johnson injury prone things like definitely true if you're talking about long term contracts. But I think as far as what they're focused on right now, it's helping this team maybe contend for a championship this year and maybe next a lot more. And right now it's just hard to see where that is going to come from. The interesting
0: thing about this, Kevin, is that people replying to me about this I don't think even know about the surgeries from college I think they're just talking about his NBA career because if you don't know Cam had serious hip problems uh, I could not recommend enough uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the name of it right now but he did a podcast with Theo Pinson uh, both North Carolina guys and Mikhail Bridges was on it too on his own separate episode both of them are great but Cam went into detail about his whole journey that includes stuff um, on his injuries and his hips. And that was something that we talked about on this podcast, um, I think two years ago, I want to say, where he really opened up and just talked about how he's still seeing progress in terms of his, his hips right now. But he's had, this will be now the third year, third time in four years where he's had something that has come up that has forced him to miss 10 or more games. Uh, he had a quad injury in his rookie year. And, and then uh, last, uh, or two years ago, I should say, he had um, he didn't really have a stretch where he missed a ton of time necessarily, but then he had the ankle. I believe it was uh, last year. I want to say or no, that was the quad. I'm sorry that that was the quad. Uh, so it it's one of those things where I, I I'm not sure I buy it. I, I'm not sure I buy it now. It now it does to your point in terms of the way you operate with roster construction. I don't think it should factor into that, but with his contract, I think it should. Yeah, Um. It, it kind of has to because he already had this history coming in a lengthy history, which did not keep him out of the lottery. So that speaks to how confident the Suns were with what they got back in terms of the medical reports and where he was at. And then obviously the player that he's come uh, has become and how the hip hasn't really been a, a an issue for him. It kind of popped up here and there on the injury report in his first two years. Uh, but the last two, we haven't really seen it on there at all. So I think that speaks to some progress there. But these other injuries kind of come up. That's where it does come up in uh, contract negotiations. What was Shams' reporting? That it was 466 is what the Suns
1: were offering? Yeah. And so it was 466 was their final offer, I guess. And I don't even remember where we read the 72. 4 for 72 was kind of the like upper end, and he probably wanted more, which – again is fair. Like it's fair for him to ask more than even Mikhail is making right now, just because of what the future is going to look like and how a year's difference really kind of is changing how the market is. So I, I think like it's all fair. And at the end of the day, um, You don't need to go searching for John Collins to replace Cam Johnson unless Cam Johnson, after failed negotiations, was like, I'm going to pull a Jay Crowder next (laughs) offseason. I don't think he's going to do that just based on what we've heard and how he is with this team. I completely agree. He should have said
0: 80 is the minimum. Four for 80 is the minimum. That's what he should have said. Because with what you're saying and the year difference alone, four for 90 for Mikel isn't even comparable. What did DeAndre freaking Hunter get again? Do you, do you remember that uh, number
1: specifically? Did he get 90? I think he got 90. I,
0: I want to say he got ni- 95. He got uh, four for 95. Yeah. So Cam, uh, who I think there's an argument is a better player than DeAndre Hunter right now, should have said 80 at the minimum. And he probably wanted more than that because that's usually how these things work. And uh, boy, Kevin, if he comes back from that meniscus and looks like the way that he did right before that meniscus injury and starts to get into that form, we expected to see him
1: for a starter uh good luck getting less than 100 hey guys guess what um we're already like halfway through the minimum of his recovery time for this surgery so let's not like panic too much and think you just gotta dump the guy because he gets hurt a lot like two more weeks he could be back for all we know
0: (laughs) yeah we've talked about it enough we've talked about it enough now it 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 does it is something that is on our radar though and and we we did want to bring it up briefly any other chatter rumblings mike v hill tummy aches you want to talk about or uh, or no you good (laughs) 10 time tummy ache survivor right here yeah (laughs) since we last podcast kevin both of us had a lot to say on the second option front and just the frustration that we had as people who are covering the stuff on a day-to-day basis and talking about the same things over and over again and just how Evident and clear some things are and yada, yada, yada. We got into it enough after the Philly loss. uh, The Suns have gone two and two. Chris Paul has not played. We ended last episode kind of saying, we'll see if he even plays against Minnesota. He said he's fine. Then again, that's Chris Paul saying he's fine. The way that I've been telling people, asking me about it, I'll say it on the podcast is usually the way that we can treat an injury report, Kevin, is once guys get uh, listed as doubtful or questionable from going out to being doubtful, doubtful to questionable Doubtful to like. Once a guy's probable, he's probably going to play. That's how the whole word kind of works there. <laughs> but Chris Paul has been questionable for all five of these games. We're recording this about two and a half hours before the Utah game. Typically, we don't record on a game day. Uh, we had we had to for for reasons. We, we're good. He's been questionable for five games, Kevin, uh, in a row. And this goes back to right shoulder contusion from the Lakers series. Um, I just treat injury reports for him differently than everyone else, because it's not traditional by any means in the way that I'm saying, because questionable to me in the Minnesota game, I was like, oh, great. So like, he'll, he'll probably be back in two or three games, like at the very most. Uh, And here we are. He's questionable for all five of these games and then, and then gets ruled out the day of the game They're two and two without him. Campaign is where we should start. He has been fantastic. He's averaging 21 points, four rebounds, six assists per game, shooting 44% from the field. Uh, Most importantly, assist to turnover ratio is a 3.4, which is really good. It is more than solid. And for someone like him, especially uh, where that number was a huge issue off the bench last year, it was really good. This is stuff we got into before the year when I wrote the story and talked to him about being the X factor of the team. Uh, And just the difference between his numbers as coming off the bench, as opposed to a starter, he's been good off the bench. He's been great as a starter this year, but there are just inconsistencies, Kevin, um, that they are still kind of working through. I think that, let me know if you agree with this, and then I'll kind of let you uh, take us where you want to with these four games. But I think the one takeaway that I have for this sun season, 14 games into the year is that they still have, the fifth gear, the sixth gear, the overdrive, the Nas button that Vin Diesel is hitting, whatever you want to call it, to play that type of basketball where no one is going to beat them. We saw that in the Warriors game, both Warriors games, I should say. And and we've seen it to some effects across a couple of these games. For the Miami loss, they had it for about a quarter and a half, and then they just couldn't finish the game. But that's super-duper high-end basketball on both ends. The the, the, the road trip to mentors is, is what I called them because that level of ruthlessness that they reach, um, we've seen it at home too, obviously, but it just comes up a lot at, on road trips and more specifically at the end of them. Um, that team is still there and it's important that they still have that super high-end gear, um, but the consistency with that gear, uh, I don't know about that. And then just their overall consistency beyond the highs, uh, it, it it's been mixed so far. I'm not saying if it's been good or
1: bad, but just been been mixed um where do you want to go with the four games i mean just to stick to the campaign point i think for me you would hope that monty williams takes like some confidence building or like confidence in his own brain about campaign out of this because i think even when chris paul is not questionable anymore and comes back um you gotta look at leaning more on campaign, letting him have heavier minutes. Cause I think he's a player who last year it was, I'd have to go look at the minutes and how he would play when he was not producing very much, but it felt like, like he would just get pulled. And then they never really found that rhythm where you got this different pace of a campaign led team versus Chris Paul. And so they're really working the pace right now. And I I think when you combo that with whatever Chris Paul brings, which is traditionally slower and more, you know, um, pointed of attacks and he's getting the offense going in the half court, you get this really shocking thing for opponents to deal with. And I think when they went on the finals run, that was like the big thing, right? They survived against the Clippers in the Western Conference finals because they turned to this thing that they had all year. And they just did it all the time, which was they shocked the Clippers into like, oh, this is not the same feel of a team. And I think that dynamic was really important when you look at how deep you can go and how deep your bench is, even just because, again, of the pace. And I just wonder if, like, even if campaign has off nights, if. They just like really say, okay, we're going to commit to this and give you 25 minutes a night, whether you're on or off. Um, that's going to be huge. And not only for Chris Paul's rest for just like creating this dynamic on this team. So I think that's the important part for me. And um, look, books doing a lot of the initiating too out of this stuff, but it's still with the same kind of feel where it's not the Chris Paul feel. And Um, I'm not saying yes or no, phase them out. I'm saying you should probably have both of those things available to you. If you're going to actually be like a Western conference finals team, even. Yeah. And the
0: record isn't, the record isn't super duper shiny, like the 12 and three Celtics or the 11 and three bucks. They're, they're nine and five right now, or which is fine, but they're third in offense and they're third in defense right now. And in terms of, that overall and and their second and net rating. So those types of numbers just led you to believe that they're, they're, they're playing really, really good basketball right now, which they are, but we're just comparing it to last year and more specifically grading them uh, on the opposite of a curve and just looking at them with the second option stuff. And I think an interesting wrinkle in here uh, it, to quickly go on the, the Booker part first, I wrote this in the Warriors recap, Kevin, and I was messaging you that we should talk about this on the podcast, and we don't have to go in depth on it too much because we talked about it enough uh, in the last couple of episodes. But when they were beating, when they were beating the Warriors, and, and it was kind of like through three quarters, it was clear that the Warriors just didn't have the juice that night. Steve Kerr emptied his uh, bench, essentially. Started the fourth quarter with five bench guys on the floor at the same time. The Suns had Devin Booker still in, so he played the whole third quarter and then was in there for about three more minutes. And then by the time he was off the floor, I think there were four starters back on the floor before one Warrior starter came back in. I think Mikel went north of 40 again in that game, I want to say. Book was in the high 30s. Curry was the only guy over 35. He was at 36. But even that, uh, Wiggins was the only other guy over 30. Uh, for the Warriors and and it was just this really stark reminder of how differently a team like Golden State approaches the regular season right now they're in a completely different situation to be fair they're going through a lot of stuff and Kerr sending messages and he said a lot of really uh, he said some stuff after the game Kevin he was pretty harsh uh, on on his team which uh, they deserve to be fair with how they're playing but the Suns just are, are going to be there. And, and when Chris Paul's out, it's just going to be a lot of point book. And again, I, I'm guessing they just have the numbers to for this to be okay. Because if the numbers didn't say it was okay, I don't think they would be doing it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm looking at – so their defense has actually fallen off. Their, in the last 10 games, they're 11th in the NBA. And the last four games, Mikel, I think, has gone over 40 minutes three times. And I, I don't know, man. It's just, I, I know like playing staff probably bumps some of these like small sample size numbers up, but at some point you've got to trust your bench and you've got to say, okay, Josh Cody, go play 10 minutes, 12 minutes. Fine. Use all your fouls and, and take some minutes away from Mikel. Um, and, and Monty has turned to him like sparingly. Um, turn to Damian Limore. I I don't know. It's just lots of this doesn't seem sustainable or good. And like our last podcast, it's a wonder of Booker and Bridges just have a lot on them. And you've got to find ways to take it off. And again, even with campaign playing well and playing more minutes with Chris Paul out, it's a wonder how you do that. Um, Do you do do more Dwayne Washington Jr. who I think. Yeah and put him at the two sometimes if he's not at the backup point. Um, and I know Landry Shamit being out with a concussion like has something to do with that, but you just got to look at Shammott, Dwayne Washington, and Okoji in fine minutes, I guess, for them.
0: Four games, Paul's been out. Bridges 40.6 minutes per game. Uh, Booker at 37.7. And I will emphasize here something that um, – I think Bridges against Portland will randomly play low, th- low to mid thirties minutes occasionally, and Money will get asked about it, and he's like, "Well, thirty-five minutes guarding Damian Lillard is like fifty-five <laughs> minutes of NBA basketball, basically, with like the stress it puts on you." And I'm going to make that point again here in a different way: where 40.6 minutes for Mikel Bridges is a lot more different than the 40.6 minutes almost anyone else in the entire NBA plays, and then. A booker is at 37.7, running the offense, essentially. Now, campaign is averaging those 21 points per game, and he's on the ball a bit. But if there's one guy, if you had to pick one guy who's been the point guard over this four games, it's been Booker, and it hasn't been a pain. I, I agree with you. Damian Lee being at 21.5 minutes just isn't enough. He needs to be north of 25. He needs to be playing a couple more in place of um, Bridges and maybe even a couple more in place of Booker. He's been really good this year, and I often... Tread lightly when I suggest that for role players, just because they're really good in their, in their little pockets of play. And if you extend it too much, then you start to see some of the limitations in their play show, but Lee's shooting something like 45% from three this year, I want to say, and, and just when he's out there, he, he makes really good plays and there's no reason for him to be at 21.5 minutes right now when you're missing Chris Paul and, and Landry Shamit, that just doesn't make much sense to me. Uh, Torrey Craig's at 31 a game as well. And then Payne's at 33, Dwayne Washington at thirteen point three. I, I think that could go up a bit. I think he could be north of fifteen. I think there are, there are guys playing well right now. It's it's not like their bench has been a disaster uh, during this four games. They've been playing well. So again, in in the uh, we're gonna put the bookmark there. Just in terms of a keep an eye on this. We'll reopen the the book. Is that how the metaphor goes, Kevin? I'm asking you, you for my cute. own metaphor. And if I'm yeah. doing well, I'm the trying. Goes in the book. Yeah, I'm I'm trying my hardest here. <laughs> uh they 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 have ele- they have ways uh, effective ways to to cut these down a bit and again if they go 44 and 38 uh it's not the end of the world if if it's because of this if it's because of doing things like like this and we'll we'll notice if it's things like that but right now it's it's not and they're playing really really good basketball uh for a lot of different reasons and one of them is because of this these elevated minutes for these two guys. But during that Orlando game specifically, I was on the playback stream with the timeline guys and um, our pal do rag hoops on Twitter. Who's a great follow, who points out a lot of smart things during Suns basketball games uh, was on the mic and Mikel just took another fall. And he was just kind of saying like, man, like he just like, <laughs> just, I'm scared for that day when he finally has to miss a game or finally like one of those falls actually keeps him down on the ground for more than five seconds or, or whatever, because the punishment that that guy takes and that Booker takes on that load. It's just, that's
1: why we have to keep bringing it up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Monty's um, stubbornness, which I think we can agree is like really good sometimes and helps guys get out of funks and all that. um, We'll see if that ever bites him in this.
0: I guess. Yeah. We'll we'll see. I I guess that's the right way to phrase it, but that's also dangerous if he gets hurt. And we're like, well, that's why you don't play forty. It's yeah. those discussions. Discussions are always uh, difficult. Do you want to talk about da?
1: Uh, I don't. I don't know if I have the energy on this Friday. I don't uh, think we have things to say on it. I'll just say I, over the I last six. He, I I don't know. He's it's the same as always. I thought he actually showed assertiveness in the Golden State game. I don't.
0: Okay, over the last six games, he hasn't played well. Uh, Start of the second half in the Golden State game, they pretty much run the offense around him and not in the Chris Paul way of running ball screens. They just gave him the ball on the block like we've been talking about, and uh, he did not do well with it at all. Uh, He was very tentative with creating a space, and that's the thing that when that's fine, when the shots aren't falling but when the shots or when the shots are falling, I should say, because the touch shots, the away jumpers, all that stuff, when you have four inches on a guy or nine inches on a guy when Steph Curry's guarding you, it's okay if the shot goes in, but the shot wasn't going in. That's where he needs to adjust to get more physical, and it just wasn't there in that game, and the crowd started groaning, and it's just definitely one of those things where there's an energy kind of in the building now when he goes through one of those stretches that just wasn't there two years ago that I personally find uh, noteworthy to uh to bring up but like you say we do have these types of conversations four times a year he has these types of stretches three or four or five times a year it's just a lot more imperative uh for him to figure it out over stretches like this when guys are out when they're relying on him so much when we're talking about or DeAndre being the guy and he'll bounce back here in one of these games and then get back to the stretch that we're used to seeing from him more consistently because it's I don't know what 80, 80, 20 in terms of just the 80 being really, really good top five center in the league. And then the 20 being, and that's probably too high. It's probably more like 90, 10, but it's just we're 14 games into the year. And almost half of those 14 games have not been great for him. The rebounding numbers are down, but I don't know that that's all. I think you got anything, no energy. It's okay. You can talk. I mean, out.
1: It's partially just like, are you surprised when this stuff happens anymore? Like I get it's frustrating and people it's weird because like on Twitter again, or Twitter poisons my brain, people cite the money and it's like, well, did you just, would you want to just let him walk because you want to pay him 20 million less over the course of like, I don't, that's not how it works. You got an offer and you want your team to be as good as possible. So you match the offer. So to me and my brain, I'm just like, It's pretty simple, man. I don't, I don't think about quibbling about his money and like that's supposed to change him that much. Like, I I feel like I know who he is and it's, he's still got that money, you know?
0: Yeah. So like I was saying, Kevin, that, that, that conversation with him specifically files under the same section we put the Bridges Booker stuff under where it's more of just something to observe, something to monitor going forward. Not everything has to be a super-duper concern, a super-duper positive, a super-duper negative. If D.A. keeps playing like this for the next three weeks, uh, that's where we really do start to talk about, oh, man, did he get the bag, and and now this is what we're going to see. That type of conversation that you were alluding to. We're 14 games in. It's been six. And yes, there were some of those front-half games. There were a few that weren't weren't great from him either. But like you said, it it is what it is with him to a certain extent. We're always going to just wrap around to that same conclusion with that specific discussion on him. You brought him up, Kev. We should we should bring him up. Uh, Dwayne Washington Jr., who fans became enamored with in the preseason because another dribble guy. We we love a good dribble guy on this podcast, Kevin. Mm. He's certainly a dribble guy. Miami game was the. Shout out Rodney Rogers, shout out Leandro Barbosa, shout out Gerald Green. When he did come off the bench, he started a lot for those teams. But the flamethrower game changing, I think it was 18 points in seven minutes, six minutes, seven minutes uh, in the Miami game. Uh, they lost that game, which is, which is crazy considering they got that contribution from him and how they played in the second half. He got super hot from three. That's what he can do as a shooter, as a scorer. We've seen a little bit of the off the dribble stuff. He looks competent everywhere else. I think that the point that I made in the preview for the Utah game is that he's just a hooper. And what I mean by that is he just makes smart plays. He plays super hard. He knows where to be. And it just seems like his game sense and instincts are in a really good spot right now for, and I have to say this too, I mentioned it in there, Kevin, for guys like Jock Landale and and Dwayne Washington Jr. to come into a team like this, Jock Landale is, is 27. So he's older than Dwayne Washington at 22. But for Jock Landell in his second NBA season to come into a well-oiled machine like this that is excellent offensively and excellent defensively. And then on the defensive end, as we covered a couple episodes ago, this is a team that pretty much has no below average defenders. So you got to come in here and defend if you're going to play. And I think that was something that is so hard to picture Dwayne being able to do in his second NBA season to come up and play average to above average defense on, on a contender but I've thought he's been he's been good for what you can expect out of him on that end. It's, it's a lot of learning for him to still do, certainly. But he's running stuff well. It seems like the, the point book fit is where they're at right now. They're playing the Grand Rapids backcourt. And I just think he's exactly what they need. And, and you know what's cool, Kev? These games are working out right now, and he's playing well. If you need to spice something up in March, you're in a funk. You've lost three of four. The backcourt isn't playing well off the bench. You can put him in there. You can do the old Aaron Holiday deal. You can mix and match. You know, I think that's the option that he at least gives them, which is value
1: to say the least. Well, you want to actually be able bull and willing to play them unlike Aaron Holiday. But uh, yeah, I, I just think the shooting element is, I, I guess I knew he was a good shooter, but just how it comes off his hands, how he just can get it off really quick, I think surprised me. And like even more than Shamit because Shamit has gone through these patches where he's like passing up shots. Like he's like Cam Johnson as far as, oh, I'm open. I'm going to
0: shoot it now. Okay. Bye. The deflection and, from, from a Koji in the golden state game, it landed in his hands
1: with the defender in front of him. And he just like, okay, I shoot. And every shot's in rhythm because of that. And it just looks good because he's a good shooter, but it's also just like, yeah, you can tell like he's going to, It's kind of like receivers, like really good receivers like DeAndre Hopkins where it's like, oh, if you put the ball anywhere near him, it just kind of like gravity into his hands or something. And that's kind of what it's like with him where, yeah, he might be coming off an awkward bounce or catching a bad pass, but he's going to be in rhythm when he's ready to go up with it and ready to shoot all the time. And I just think that's super important and screws up defenses and makes him afraid and freaked out anytime that dude's on the floor. So. From just that aspect, it's been good. But then you look at plays like I think it was the Warriors game where I don't remember if it was a long rebound or something, but he pushed it and kicked it right ahead to Landale, who was running the court. And maybe it was just the TV angle where it didn't look like the easiest pass or there was traffic in there. But like just the awareness, having your heads up.
0: He... uh he he did two things. He he slowed up to free Lando because he could have just run the ball at the court, clogged the middle and Lando wouldn't have had a lane to run through. So he slowed up and then, yeah, the pass is harder than it looks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and just little stuff like that, where we talked about him not being a point guard and that's more operationally getting guys into sets and stuff, but from a pure like vision and knowing how to find those angles, I think he's in a really good spot. And when you combine that give it a shooter with a guy who's an underrated passer, like, there's no reason not to play him at both guard spots. And I think that's the biggest thing as this year goes on is like, he should be that guy if campaign or Landry gets hurt or one of them is in a big funk, like, yeah, throw him in there.
0: Throw them in there for sure, man. And they had a little. I, I, da was playing extended minutes, like he was out there a little longer than he normally is in the third quarter when the or the first quarter, I want to say, when the reserve started rolling in. But they rolled out a Washington Booker Lee Bridges Aiden lineup, and I was like, ooh, I really like this because you you've got Booker first option on the ball, you've got Aiden with all the gravity that he brings in. And then you've got three really, really good shooters. Lee has been fantastic this year. We know Mikel's a really good shooter. And obviously, Washington is a really good shooter as well. But then there's some dribble equity there, too, where if Washington, Lee, or Bridges are attacking off the second side, they're in a good spot. But all three of those guys can do a little. Lee can run a two dribble pick and roll. Now, he can't run an offense by any means consistently. But if there's 12 seconds on the shot clock, he calls over a ball screen, like he can make the dump off pass, he can make the lob. He can make one of the passes out of it. We know Mikel can do that. Obviously, Washington has shown in the brief time that he can do that. And and that's just one of those situations where when you play a guy like this offensively with his types of skills, which is where we go back to the summer and talking about Boyan Bogdanovich and just like the the amount of offensive, I want to say freedom, but just there's just a certain freeness that opens up to – A lineup when you add a player like him in there who can shoot the way that he can and can do a little bit of scoring off the dribble it's just so clearly what this team is missing and even getting it from a two-way guard is something that can really help them and in that kind of lineup specifically i hope they play it again in utah tonight and i hope we get to see i would like to see at least more of um washington lee and then one of those three other guys which i which i think we will but yeah i I just think it's been great. And and what you hope, Kevin, with the Aaron Holiday thing, it was good that you brought that up, is that he does earn enough trust from the coaching staff because not to say two games is enough, but everything's looked really good in these two games, Kevin, to at least give him a try at certain points later in the year when injuries uh, aren't as much of an issue for this team anymore. But... Yeah, and, and I, I can't say this enough. He he seems like a great kid who just works his tail off. We say that about everyone that they bring in because they just find their types of guys, but he's right in like that ish mold where it just seems like he's he's a great dude to be around and everyone enjoys him and everyone's rooting for him. So uh, that, that's that been great to see. That's been great to see. Do you think Jay Crowder is going to be oh. a member of the Phoenix Suns the next time we do this? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Me too. <laughs> we're we're not doing the joke in the meme as much anymore, but I, I do think so. Yeah. Uh, now when we podcast on December 13th, like three days before that date passes, mm-hmm. where I think Gamble has been saying a third of the league can get traded because so many guys can't get traded when they were signed or, or whatever, you know? Yeah. yeah. That'll be the time where we have to think about it before saying no again,
1: or saying yes to him being on the sun still. So we're we're generally in the camp of Jake Crowder will outlast Twitter. Is that where we're at? Okay.
0: Does Jay Crowder play for a new team first, or does Cam Johnson return for the Suns first?
1: Cam Johnson returns.
0: I think so too. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's a better way of doing it. It was funny to see Jay post the. Um, He posted a bit like he quote tweeted a workout video that one of his trainers put up or something, and then he put like something, something just work. And it's like, well, (laughs) you aren't going to work right now. Technically, I understand what you're saying. You're getting working. And and that's great.
1: Georgia Tech.
0: There are guys in his situation where they just wouldn't be working their tail off to be in peak physical condition as much as they can. So the second they get traded, they're going to be ready for 2530 playoff caliber kind of minutes like he's going to be with how hard he's working, but he's not working at his job right now. <laughs> technically, technically he is, but technically he, he isn't too. Uh, all right. We'll, we'll be back next week. This is a really fun slate of games uh, in terms of just seeing, seeing different teams. Yes. The Los Angeles Lakers are on it. I know I see that, uh, but the Knicks with Jalen Brunson is the Sunday afternoon game, the Utah game. You guys have probably seen that game by the time you're listening. Uh, and then we'll probably podcast before uh, the Detroit game. Jay Nivey, all my stock, Kevin. It's been a mixed bag so far, but I'm zero percent concerned. Jalen Duran, they knew what they were doing there, Kev. He's kind of good.
1: Uh, how's your Azula's Tobella stock?
0: Oh, it's great. Oh, yeah. dude, the best seventeen-year-old basketball player in the world, Kalen Boswell. Or no, it's probably Victor Wembenyama. Is he still seventeen? He's one of the best seventeen-year-old basketball players on the planet. I'm saying it out loud. He looks awesome. <laughs> okay. Cats talk. Cats talk. TBD. We'll see how this Maui goes, and then maybe we're back after Maui. Yeah, that's what we said last year, and I think that's a good idea. We can't do it every, but if they if they start to look good, we'll we'll feed what everyone wants. I know everyone listening wants to hear us talk about it, but we're, we we're just the Yeah, we gotta we gotta create some more demand. Until then, all right, everyone. We'll see you next week.